shit is on what up though what's up buddy this microphone do work how the hell are ye? you know what man i'm pretty good sweet i'm pretty good i'm pretty good how are you <laughs> hey, hey how are you i'm doing okay i uh <laughs> got a cool new hoodie in the mail yeah bro you can you went you went hard on that new hoodie. It, yeah. It's a little too real right now to be rocking that hoodie. Spencer, y'all <laughs> I know. Spencer I, has a hoodie. I ordered it like six weeks ago and it finally showed up and I was like, oh, it's less funny now. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer has a hoodie that is uh designed like in in a sort of emulation of the Seattle Supersonics OG logo. But instead of saying Seattle Supersonics, it says dystopian nightmare, <laughs> which. Yep. And now here we are. <laughs> and now here we are living inside of one. Oh, well, you know, what can you do? Uh, rocket. Rocket with pride. Yeah. You know, the first step is acknowledging, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Something like that. Something like that. I think that's what they say. Uh What's, uh, you got any joy recently? Um, shit, man. I, I got a, I got a joy, uh, I got a joy that could like double as a thank you to, to a listener. Cause man, I got the fucking dopest box in the mail from our PO box, which by the way, we've said this to y'all before, but our PO box definitely burned down and I'm so glad this package was not in the (laughs) (laughs) package. You paused at an inopportune time there. Oh. <laughs> Our PO box burned down, and I am so glad. Fuck that PO. Fuck that PO box. <laughs> no, I was I was trying to say I'm so glad that this package was not inside of the post office when it burned down because then it would no longer be in our possession. It um, would have been fine though. They sent us some stoneware. That's that's been killing fired, my guy. That's true. That's true. Uh, we have to thank John Cohorst. Uh, for this, uh, this incredible. Did he wants to say his whole ass name on on the podcast. What's that? Did he want us to say his whole ass name out all out on the podcast like that? I mean, he put he put like his business like his website where you can go buy oh, his pottery okay, and okay. shit on like a, gotcha. on a so business we're, we're card. Doing some promo for him. So yeah, no, yeah, I think bet. I think I think he's probably down. Uh, but man, John Cohorst sent us in our PO box that thankfully did not burn down or thankfully burned down before we got the whatever man it might it might have been cool though it might have gotten like a like a second like raku fire glaze thing going oh okay okay you know might it might have been fused with some other p.o box pieces to make it a new piece of art like melt melt some brass onto it or something let's go let's go Uh, no, but John sent us some custom made glasses, one with a what if astronaut on it and one with a Bigfoot on it. And now it's going to be Spenny and I's drinking glasses when we have our, our pod drinks. So, uh, that was super fun to open and I had a real sweet note. So thanks, John. Appreciate you. Thanks for sending that stuff our way. Hell yeah. What about, uh, go ahead, go ahead. uh, I was going to say that sounds rather joyful. It was, man. I opened that package up and I was like, I haven't opened a gift 
in a while, and this is so fun. Um, I got I got, got two maybe that come to mind. Oh man, look at this fool just racking up the joy. Well, joys on joys on joys. Today I uh, I played some golf this morning, and and round about uh, hole uh, sixteen seventeen. Uh huh. The uh, the old. The old drink cart came by because that's the thing that they're doing at golf courses again. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you guys knew, but COVID is over. You can just uh, do whatever the fuck you want again, apparently. Apparently. Uh, there's apparently, there's no longer a pandemic. Apparently. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we all we all cracked a bunch of, uh, or one each, uh, Line and Kugel's Summer Shandies on oh. the 17th hole. Oh, at rough at roughly eleven thirty a.m. today. <laughs> you absolutely love to see it. I mean, you really and, do. And uh, the the second that we cracked them, our friend Barry, uh, fucking hold his approach from about one hundred and fifty yards out. Let's go, Barry! <laughs> what up, Barry? Oh, that's incredible. So. Summer, uh, the Line and Kugel Summer Shandy for the first time in about five years really uh, was a good omen today. I gotta ask, what was your? Is it tr- is it trash? Is it? I trash? mean, here's the thing. I don't really dislike any beer. I've never had a beer that I've been like, nope, not gonna finish this. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We don't you know, have like, we don't have like too crazy high tastes around here. No, I have very low standards. Um, <laughs> it's I mean it's not good. It tastes like fake lemonade and bad beer, but that's still like a six out of ten for me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> also, honestly, like when you're golfing and it's like, you know, humid as hell, like it was this morning. And like, yeah, it was like 85 and humid. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of want lemonade and shitty beer, you know, like that's kind of the only beer you really want. Like I I, I was like triple fisting that a bottle of orange Gatorade and a a bottle of water. Perfect. Perfect. Shooting a fucking 92. Let's go, bro. (laughs) Let's go. Pretty strong. We're going to break 90 at some point this summer. We're going to get there. Pretty strong though. For yeah, for having okay. for having played your first golf in whatever like fucking six years this year, yeah, a couple of weeks ago I, I was shooting one ten. So we're we're moving in the right direction, dude. That's why I haven't played with you guys yet. Because <laughs> if I go out, I'm my first game is going to be a one fifty, no question. So, so that's true. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not like I'm doing it to impress anyone with my fucking score. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also like. One at least one of us will probably be right there with you. So that's true. All right, we're all capable of shooting in the hundreds on any given day. Okay, well, on air on air production meeting, except not related to production. If you guys do go on Friday, how at your boy? <laughs> uh, we're playing Thursday morning, although we might have four already. All right. Well, if you do play again on Friday and you need a fourth, how at your boy? Okay. Amazing. Um, the second one. I was hanging out in my backyard yesterday and there's this little, uh, three ish year old dude that lives next door. Yeah. He and my, he and my dog are best friends, best friends. They y'all, they run like back and forth up and down the fence with each other and shit. It's the most adorable thing. And yesterday they were, uh, the little dude was, he was blowing bubbles at Marcy, which Marcy thought was 
super fun. Was Although this, he probably he probably ate a bunch of soap, which is yeah. you know whatever. Was this Marcy's first bubble experience? Not a yes, yes. Oh, okay, so so um, like pretty. Oh, pretty, he was psyched. Pretty mind altering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, dude decided that. Marcy was probably thirsty, you know, because it was like 95 degrees here yesterday. Mm. So he went and got a bottle of water and was trying to like pour it into his mouth, but mostly just dumped a bottle of water over his head. Which honestly, he probably also loved. No, he was all about it. Yep. (laughs) And then he was, uh, he was trying to feed him like grass and leaves and stuff. And, uh, I was like, Hey man, um, let's, let's not with the the grass and leaves and dirt and stick combo you got going there. (laughs) And he's like, okay, what does he eat? And I was like, well, he eats dog food. And he goes, can I give him some dog food? So uh, I went inside and got like a handful of treats and gave them to him. And the little three-year-old next door taught or learned how to tell Marcy to sit for treats yesterday. Yes. And yeah. that was easily the most adorable thing you've seen in yep. months, maybe. <laughs> Especially because he would give him one treat at a time, right? So he was like, sit. And he sat, he gave him a treat. And then Marcy's still just sitting there because he's like, oh, you have more treats, I'm going to sit here. And yeah. then every, every time he was like, sit, <laughs> even though he's just already, <laughs> just already sitting, staring at him, waiting for a treat. Three-year-old's like, does like, he know how to stand? Right. Unless he stands up, you don't got to say sit again. He's right, good. right, right. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's good because uh, dog dude gets super like way too excited around kids and he's giant. So he's like slowly with a fence in between learning how to be a reasonable dog around little kids. Yeah. He thinks he still in his mind is like a little tiny puppy. So he's like, oh, you're my size. But he doesn't realize that he's like literally quintupled in size since you got him. And right. I was thinking yesterday, like what's going to be the point where they intersect and can actually play together? Like when Marcy's five and he's. Like seven, seven, or yeah, maybe he'll yeah, be chill yeah. enough, and the, and the little dude will be big enough that like they can play together and and not die. I think, but I, I still am dreaming about there being a time before the kid gets too big where we can we can have him ride him. Like I think we get a real small saddle. Oh, for sure, and. Marcy would be psyched, you know. The problem is Marcy's going to buck that small <laughs> child off and that small child's probably going to get hurt. So this is maybe a really bad idea, but I like it in concept a lot. It's it's probably not the healthiest thing to do with your dog, too, I would guess. I don't I don't know much about uh like poodle spine and joint health, but I would assume like 40 to 50 pounds square on your back is not the the move. That's true. That's true. All right. But well, I'm then, not a I'm not a dog doctor, so I maybe could be wrong. maybe we just do the old uh, harness towing the uh, the sled Ooh. thing then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little more. Or he's got uh, good for everybody. His, his dad's teach him to ride a skateboard, so maybe we could get some sort of combo going there. Also, sounds extremely dangerous, but I'm pretty into it. So. Oh, it's way way more dangerous, <laughs> but for the kid more so than my dog. So you know. Should be fine. Skitching a dog would be a pretty wild uh <laughs> man. It's taking every power in my being to not YouTube search dog skitching right now because somebody has to have done that, right? Yeah. Rollerblades would probably be the move. Maybe I should get some rollerblades and have Marcy just pull me around the neighborhood. What do they call that? Is it like skijoring or something like that? That's what skis, right? Yeah, but I'm just saying it'd basically yeah. be the same thing, right? 
Right. I could get some of those cool rollerblade skis that are the most annoying thing on the in the world when other people are on them in the bike lane on the river road. Damn, this people is getting very, did, very narrow casted. Local right now. specific. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, people in Minneapolis love those things. Um. Yeah, dude. Anyway, Ro- roller scajoring for you and Marcy there we go. and that child there it is. is what needs to happen. Um, do we should we update anybody on anything before we jump into weird alien shit? I feel like we didn't. Uh, I don't know. Some things happened since last week around the topics we were talking about. I'd like to shout out everyone who's been like engaging with us in a civil. Uh, genuine manner on social media that's been nice and refreshing yeah totally awesome i i kind of thanked everybody i think at the end of the last one for something similar and it's been cool to see a continued trend of people just being like totally willing to engage and communicate and like we said we're not talking about any of this stuff for you know for the sake of being like, we want everyone to believe what we believe or like, this is not so like, Hey, you better agree with us type shit at all. Um, but I think it's great that people are being open-minded and willing to have conversations about the stuff we're talking about. And like, to be clear, you know, none of this stuff is easy. I, like, I think that's one of the things that some of the slogans around like, abolish the police or like defund the police or whatever. Like that's one of the things that I think is, is maybe tough about slogans is they don't fully encapsulate the complexity of like making that next step or what that better future looks like. Right. And I think that's sometimes why people have such a huge problem with the concept is because people immediately go, I have a hundred questions or I have a thousand questions and it's like, yeah, "Yeah, that's okay because it's a really big idea wrapped up in a really small slogan it would be weird if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. And so and I think I, that's, I think it's, I think it's especially tricky because in order to work, it has to, if we're talking about defunding and reimagining police and community safety in order for a new model to work, it has to be specific to the community it's being implemented in. Right. And so there is, there is not a like stock solution because a like this is brand new territory for everyone right and b if it's going to work it has to be minneapolis specific and it has to meet the needs of the people who live here and so what would work here is not going to work in a rural community and it's not going to work in la and it's not going to work in europe right like it's it's going to have to be like hyper local in some ways right to be effective which which I think is also one of the things we've talked about as well is like that's sort of the reason that um, or one of the many reasons why there are issues with with policing in particularly in the United States, because we've just thrown a blanket solution to every individual community's problems. And you can't throw well, a blanket over so this many so- different problems. Also, say that one more time. Sorry. So many different problems, too. Right, right, right. Like, right. yes, every community, but also like so such a wide range of issues in that community that police are not trained to deal with. A hundred percent. Which again, I think is like, I think most people would agree with that, that like police are being asked to do too much and that's not good. It's actually one of the reasons I feel like from my perspective, and I have not talked to a police officer about this, but I would, I would, I would wonder like, 
how many police officers, once they hear that concept of being like, oh, you don't have to deal with like the mental health issues of this. So you don't have to deal with like the overdoses or you don't have to deal with like, I wonder how many of them would be like, oh, that's awesome. That makes this like, oh, so you're saying I could like cut these pieces out of, you know, my role in a community and do something else. Like I would, I would imagine there are some who would be like, that sounds like a, like kind of a win for me too, you know? Or shift into one of those other roles that is more specific to like not the more traditional model of policing, but like right. if you have training in conflict de-escalation or working with people in mental health crisis or whatever, then like, cool, we, we definitely have a need for that. Right. Um, and that's where like the, the whole good cop argument kind of breaks down for me too, because it's like, it, aside from the, can you, the argument of like, can you be a good cop in an inherently quote unquote bad system which i mean even that is just super oversimplifying things but like right being complacent in the face of wrong does that make you wrong sure i I would argue yes but whatever i mean like that's kind of messy but even aside from that like if you are one of those quote-unquote good cops there are going to be plenty of jobs for you Mm -hmm. there are going to be things that you that we need done that you can do that you can be compensated for that will be, if anything, a narrower scope than what you're being asked to do right now. Yeah. And arguably in some communities, there'll be an even greater need because the solution to those things actually is going to require more bodies, like more people, you know, to actually be yeah. the, be the people to be those different roles. But anyway, I guess we're, we're having this conversation because uh, uh, to back up again, um, in, in the wake of George Floyd, Floyd's murder, what, th- two, three? Jesus Christ, I'm losing track of time. Was that I just think two weeks ago? Two weeks ago yesterday. Yikes. Um, I know, dude. Feels like it's been, been 10 a lot, years. A lot of things happening um, in response to that in Minneapolis. And one of the more recent ones is that on Sunday, June 7th, we're recording on June 9th, um, our city council committed to defunding and reimagining the Minneapolis police department over the course. Well, starting that process over the course of the next year by um, coming up with a, a community based and plan that has input from everyone in our community. It was, I will say fucking surreal to be sitting with thousands of people six feet apart, all wearing masks at Powderhorn on Sunday, hearing one by one, our city council people go up and say, Minneapolis police is beyond reform and we're going, this council is going to disband the Minneapolis police. Um, that was, that felt completely different from any of the other reactions to police violence or police uh, killings that we've experienced in the last few years here. So Totally. Totally. And I think, you know, one of the, um, one of the other things that's been great too, that we've seen as well is there's a lot of people who, and again, like, you know, this is sort of reformist, but I think in the short term, like from my perspective, there's going to need to be a significant amount of reform in the short term while the longer term goal is approached. For sure. 
And I think we've been seeing a lot of really great smaller uh, reform steps as well. Cities banning chokeholds, cities making it a legal requirement for officers to be. uh, Yeah, I know. I'm I'm skeptical as well on how much some of that's going to work. But I also think like it's better than what's been present so uh, it it gives me reason to you know be hopeful to some degree personally i've i think i've seen enough to uh conclude that reform does not is not effective in the long run um sure that yeah whatever yeah yeah i I guess all i'm trying to say is like i think uh leaders and legislators are standing up and at least recognizing there's a problem and by recognizing there's a problem, I think is, is really the first step. And there are some pretty like short sweeping actions that are being taken to yeah. at least, you know, acknowledge that a problem exists. And I hope that that trend continues. So again, thank you guys for, uh, for engaging with us on the topic. It's yes, it's totally not what we normally talk about at all. It's not necessarily in a tenor of, of like how we talk about stuff. Um, but we, we are always like questioning things and engaging in conversations about how things are and how they could and should be. And, uh, we appreciate y'all for, listening and engaging and yeah i think spencer is talking about obviously you know we've been engaging on twitter and we've been getting a bunch of awesome direct messages from you all but also the facebook I've been going group, ham in the facebook group yeah the facebook group has been uh really the spot to do it so if y'all are if y'all are uh if y'all are interested join the facebook group we're over 1200 members deep just in the facebook group alone and uh we hang out and make jokes and talk about serious stuff there too so all right, pasta aliens, angel hair pasta, Pasta-fish pasta aliens. Heaven is an olive garden. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make sense in a hot second, y'all. I just had to had to had to pop it off. Hell yeah! I forgot, I forgot I had buttons. I'm just gonna hit buttons. To oh, watch out. Oh Jesus, that was <laughs> that was one of the loudest hell yeahs I have ever been given. I, I think. I think, unfortunately for you, fortunately for our listeners, it's louder for you than it is for them. Okay. So okay, I'll try and adjust that as we go here. No worries. I'll just, uh, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just wince a little along the way. It'll, oh, we'll be fine. Oh, is this any better for you? Hell yeah! Significantly, thank okay, you. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, I came across a Reddit post. I don't know what how time works anymore. Maybe it was a few weeks ago. Maybe it was a few months ago. Titled, Did a Small Town College Professor Discover the First Ever Evidence of Extraterrestrial Life in 1959? What a, what a, what a headline, you know, what a headline. So obviously, obviously I'm clicking on that. And I found a very uh, thorough and decently well sourced for, you know, as, as decently well sourced as you can get with this kind of shit. Um write-up about an incident from 1959 in Portugal. And I guess we'll just jump into the story. Um, This took place in Evora, Portugal, and initially at a a small college, there's a professor named Guidas do Amaral, maybe? Something like that? Uh, Yeah, I would have gone Guedes. Guedes, sure. Guedes. Guedes is pretty fun. What's that? Guidas, Guidas, Guidas. Um, 
he <clears throat> looks outside from his office and sees a bunch of students gathered looking up at the sky. And he goes out there to see what's going on. And in the sky, what appears to be very high up, he sees a small gray-blue object that appears to be glowing. He runs back inside to grab a telescope to get a better look at it. And when looking through the lens, he saw a seamless, uh, elliptical-shaped object that he guessed was maybe the size of uh, like a commercial jet. But it had no wings, no windows, and no propellers, which I don't know the history of jet airliners. Um, if, like, jets would have been the norm in 59 or propellers were still on commercial airplanes in 59. Yeah. Whatever. I, yeah, I, I don't either. My assumption would be that it w- that would have been in an era of propellers, but... Yeah. It, it sounds like we're talking about a... Cigar-shaped, roughly commercial jet-sized thing. Yes. And he watched it for uh, about, over the course of about a half an hour. Sometimes it hovered in one spot, and then sometimes it would move super quickly to another spot and then hover there. And as he's watching it, a second object appeared that was sort of the same size and shape, but way bigger. Uh, Amaral called it colossal in his uh, the report he wrote about it. And the first smaller object they saw was like flying around or orbiting the bigger object. And they were both sort of undulating in what he called a jellyfish-like pattern. And they would like slowly descend like they were sinking kind of and then shoot way back up in the air super fast and after watching this for about half an hour both objects one of the times that they shot up into the air just kept going until he couldn't see them anymore and just to clarify wasn't he not the only one what weren't there students around as well that were like also looking through the telescope with him yeah so he i mean he first noticed that something was going on because he saw students gathered watching something. Right, right, right. Were, I just mean like the, like the, there, there were eyewitnesses just like with the naked eye, but didn't like some of them come back and like look through his telescope oh, with sure. him and shit like yes. that. Yeah. He was not the only one to see it through the telescope either. That was all I was trying um, to, trying to yep, call out. Yep. Yep. That is correct. Um, about a hundred kilometers from this college. I couldn't, did you find the name of the school at anywhere? Yeah, but I don't have it right now. Hang on. Let me get it. Okay. That's not super. Oh, important. you know what? Uh, I, I think actually, <laughs> so there is a documentary on this. It's like a 22 minute, uh, Portuguese television show documentary about this. And I <laughs> watched it with the, automatic English translation captions on, <laughs> which was an absolute... What the fuck are you going on about? <laughs> Wait, what was that? What the fuck are you going on about? Yep, that was yep. me trying to watch that same thing with the same caption situation, because I was lost. It is an absolute dumpster fire, but then every once in a while to be like, <laughs> oh, wait, this totally makes sense. Oh, no, we're off the rails again. Um, 
but I think it was said in that it was like a local, um, like commerce and technical school or something like, like that. So like a business technical school. I can't remember okay. though. I'll see if I can find it in my notes. I mean, Evora is not a, it's not a big town. It's like 50,000 people. So there yeah. probably aren't too many yep. institutes of higher education. Yep. Um, there is, I think a university of Evora, but I don't think that was it. And also who knows? It may have been called something different 60 years ago. Uh, anyway, about a hundred kilometers from there at Sintra air air base, um, same day, same time. Do you, this was, uh, November 2nd of 1959. I don't know what time, I mean, daytime, but I don't know, like morning versus afternoon versus evening. I, yeah, I only know, well, I only know the time of day for the following events we're going to talk about. So, okay. But I'm assuming well, I think it was around the same time. Yeah. Anyway, at Sintra Air, Air Base, um, some fighter pilots were getting ready to go out for a training flight. And just before taking off, one of the pilots, Captain Silva, um, noticed an odd, like slimy, slippery substance <clears throat> forming on the exterior of his plane. So this and this part was supposed to be like relatively early in the morning. Okay. Like I think around 10 a.m. ish was okay. what I saw. Um, he was already inside the plane, but like reached out to try and wipe whatever it was off or find out what it was. Um, and he couldn't, it was not condensation. It was not uh precipitation of any kind. It was totally clear that day. Um, it wasn't ice. It wasn't cold enough for ice to be forming on, on the outside of the plane. Um, and the other pilots noticed and reported the same thing. Um, and so he got out and as he got out, he noticed that this same like kind of whitish streaky stuff was on him and the other pilots on their clothing and in their hair. So they were these like very fine, uh, like spider webby type material that was falling from a cloudless sky in a perfectly vertical pattern, says the the write up. It's raining motherfuckers. It's raining motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Let's go. <laughs> That's amazing. Still got it. Still got um, it. Yeah, do you have anything to any uh specifics you want to add to that? Um no, mostly that uh, the they uh, let me find where they describe the uh, the actual substance one time because there was one detail I was trying to. Uh... Oh yeah, it, it'll become apparent in a second why these two <clears throat> events are related. Also, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Captain Silva said that it was a slimy substance, like when it uh when it was touched with the hand it would basically like like melt almost like it was kind of gooey and then would melt with the warmth of a hand but it wasn't cold to the touch it wasn't like wasn't like when you like pick up like a little bit of snow and it melts in your hand it was more that it would just sort of like 
dissipate with the warmth of a hand, but it wasn't like it was melting in the way that like snow would melt, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, the same, the same stuff was found back in Evora where they saw the UFOs. Um, and they described it as it looked like spider webs. Um, but when they would pick it up, it would melt into like a light yellow colored sort of slime substance. So it looked like individual filaments kind of, but then when it was handled, it would sort of melt into a goo. Yeah. A yellow slimy goo. Alien goo. (laughs) You've been gooed Uh, by the aliens. Fuck no. Ryan, real quick before we continue with this story, let's talk about uh, our friends over at BetterHelp. They are our friends. We love BetterHelp. And they can be your friends, too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, if you are looking to make some improvements to your life, if there are some things that are preventing you from uh, being happy or accomplishing the things you want to do, uh, give BetterHelp a shot. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. Um, It's not self-help. It's actually professional counseling. Anything that you share with them will be completely confidential, and you can message your counselor at any time. And you can do all that without ever having to physically go somewhere and wait for an appointment and... uh, you know, be around other folks. <laughs> yeah. Just do it from your house over the phone or uh, they have apps for both Android and iOS. Yeah. If you go to betterhelp.com slash what if uh, listeners of the show here get 10% off your first month of uh, services. And again, you can contact via uh, message, via email. You can do video conferencing. So you can kind of have access to uh, to your licensed counselor with the uh, with like the channel that makes the most sense for you. That's the most convenient for you. Um, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to schedule you know ten weeks out and wait until your appointment. You can contact through a bunch of different channels, uh, which makes it super convenient. So join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health by going to betterhelp.com slash what if. Everybody's going to therapy 2020. Lord knows we all kind of need it. Oh, 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 I hit two rays at the same time. You know what? Jesus. I'm getting dickered on. Holy shit. (laughs) I'm getting dickered on this one and I'm going to do her at the same time is a real mood. You know, it's like... It's like, you know what? I'm out of practice, man. It's going to be tough, but I'm going in, you know? (laughs) I'm going to do it, and it's going to be fucked. It's going to be fucked, but I'm fucking going for it. (laughs) That was fucked. That was a bit fucked. So, back in Evora, um, our professor friend is collecting some of these weird filaments that are also falling from the sky. And he decides to take a closer look at some of them. Um, by bringing them on to into the college, storing some of petri dishes and putting them onto uh, slides to take a look under a, a microscope. Also, it says uh, in this report that I'm reading that this rain of whatever the hell this stuff is, yeah, lasted for lasted for four hours, 
And by the time it was done, there was the roofs were covered with it. There was so much. Yeah, they said that um, that the village looked like it had snowed because the rooftops were just like dense with it. That's Which nasty. is like, yeah, nasty and weird and 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 gross, but also like. I don't know. I think that's a super relevant detail for when we get a little deeper in this and start talking about what some of the official or like proposed explanations of this are. Who are you? Yes. First question. Yes. Who are you? Uh, so, yeah, there was so much of this shit that it was like covering buildings. So he grabbed some of it and brought it inside and looked at it under 120 times magnification and when he did, he could see a tiny organism about a millimeter across um, that when pushed between the two pieces of glass had 10 slime covered tentacles emerging from its core. Now, I think it's very important that we all acknowledge that this man found an alien real quick because this shit <laughs> fell from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> This shit fell from the sky. They call the shit, what do they call the shit? Angel hair? Angel's hairs? I, I mean, yeah. And it's, it's one got, of the things that has been called. And it's got gooey, ten-legged miniature beings inside of it that he can't figure out. The man found an alien. I'm in danger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big major league. Major league. Um, anyway, so this thing was also moving. And it seemed to move in reaction to what he did. This this also flies like fully against the whole like we've talked about this before with all the articles of like, oh, they're going to unfreeze this fucking glacier and there's like fucking worms and bugs and diseases in it. And I'm like, no, we don't know what that shit is. We don't know where that shit's from. Or like, oh, we're going to go to Venus and just bring back some like little shit. You don't know what that little little mini bugs going to do to you when you fucking like put it on your microscope slide. Like, what are you doing, bro? That's, that's how you get pandemics. I would, I would literally grab the nearest aerosol can in a lighter and I would just start like, like homemade <laughs> flamethrowering my whole office. Like, mm -mm, mm -mm. I mean, it's, it's all over everything in the whole town though. You can't do that. Not today, Satan. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I should say, as I'm saying this dude, this dude found an alien at this time. He doesn't technically know that this isn't some sort of natural phenomenon. He's just not familiar with. Right. Correct. I mean, the, this dude, I'm not sure what he was a professor of, but I don't think it was biology. It was not so like, um, he's and certainly just, not exobiology because <laughs> no one is. Um, yeah, he, he had no idea what he was dealing with, but he knew it was fucking weird. Right. Right. And that had 10 slime covered tentacles. Also, none of this is to mention the fact that the motherfucker just saw a two shipped UFO like 30 minutes before he, it, you he know, did like, see multiple UFOs before this started. Yeah. Like you're having a, you're having a weird day and your day's not getting less weird at all whatsoever. <laughs> like... <laughs> Your day's getting way worse. Ten slime-covered tentacles. It's like one of those uh, worse is the right word. It's like one of those vocal warm-ups. Ten slime-covered tentacles. Red slime-covered tentacles. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, <laughs> yellow leather. 
Uh, so yeah, he's looking at this thing under a microscope, and it appears to be alive and moving and slimy and tentacle covered. Yeah. Meanwhile, one of the pilots who saw this weird goo uh, land all over them and their planes calls his dad, who is a professor of physics and astronomy, Professor Silva. So this was Captain Silva's father. Yeah. Um, based on the description, thought that it might be flying spiders, which was a new and also terrifying revelation for me. And really quick, just to clarify, is this, this is where this story is interesting to me. That's the bridge, right? That the, uh, that professor Amaral do Amaral Mm. and captain Silva are connected through professor, professor Amaral's father, right? No, or a friend, a friend Uh, of his father. So Professor Amaral is friends with Professor Silva, who happens to be the pilot's father. Who's the pilot's father? That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So pilot who sees this weird stuff on his plane and all of his co his other uh, co pilots. Nope. Other pilots' planes. Whatever. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Pilot calls his dad, who's a professor. Dad says. I don't know. Seems like spiders, but I can call my friend, Professor Amaral. He might know more. Right. Not knowing that Professor Amaral had experienced the same thing that same day. Right. Right. So anyway, the the flying spiders uh, apparently are. There's a particular type of spider that jumps really far through the air and uses their uh, silk as sort of like a um, Tarzan vine situation. Bro, they call it, they call it gliders that they actually make like little gliders out of their fucking silk and use it to like parachute (laughs) to like migrate. That's awful. But also windsurfing spiders is kind of a hardcore Concept that I kind of dig. Uh, it's probably a thing that needs to be on the list. Also, the windsurfing spiders. We <laughs> yes. have, we don't have a lot of the <laughs> band names, but that the windsurfing spiders is actually pretty. That's pretty good. So the uh, yeah they they talk and that's that is the sorry they being Professor Silva and Professor Amaral. Um. They don't know, but Professor Amaral is pretty sure it's not spiders because he's looking at whatever it is under a microscope, and it ain't a spider. Right. It's got ten tentacles, not eight legs. Right. Um, from there, some samples were sent to the University of Biological Sciences of Lisbon, and they had more powerful microscopes, um, which they used to take a closer look at the samples. And what they're now calling, by this point in the write-up, the Evora alien. Alien. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> note, note the Ooh. choice of words. Alien. Uh, the Evora alien measured four millimeters across and was in... Th- I'm going to read directly from this, this Reddit user's write-up because it's brilliant. 
Uh, some, there's some really like silly flowery language in here, but sometimes they just fucking nail it. Yeah. Uh, w- was endowed with enormous strength and resistance and had quote, quite strong defensive reactions. Bro. Projecting against the sheet, a network of tentacles in an apparent effort to break free. Nope. 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 <laughs> Oh, nope. <laughs> no, thank you. The, the University of Biological Sciences of Lisbon write up also said, quote, later experiences showed that the body was able to withstand pressures of 350 grams. It's which four seems like a lot for something four yeah, millimeters across four millimeters yeah. wide. And it can it can push up on or it can not be crushed. It can't be crushed unless you put 350 grams of pressure on it. Right. More than that, it turned brown and died. So they did crush a few of these these little fellers, unfortunately. Um, the Lisbon Biological Sciences Report also said, under stress, it exhibited, quote, intense defensive reactions akin to an animal's. Because its reflexes were too swift and intuitive for a plant. So so we have some sort of animal that descended in mass from the sky after two UFOs were seen in the area. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I I just got a text from my wife. Yes. That is a photo. A photo of the dinner that she just made. Uh-oh. And it's and it says, if Ryan were here, I'd fully expect him to say, dang, it smells good as hell in here, wife cats. That's, I mean, it's your house all the time, but that means if she if she is projecting that I would feel that way, then it must be like really, really good. You know what I'm saying? Because she's like, because often when I say it, she'll be like, oh, I'm just cooking. And I'm like, yeah, but your house smells better than normal most of the yeah, time. Yeah, but you're cooking. Uh, all right. So this thing was super strong. And oh, this part is especially terrifying. It was so strong, <laughs> it could slightly lift the microscopic slides as if it feared being crushed. Fuck off. So you put a slide on top of this thing, and it tries to, and somewhat successfully, pushes it off of itself. It's doing, is out here doing push-ups, bro. Just bench pressing the slide on top of it just to fucking just to fuck your shit up. Terrifying. Terrifying. Um so they have some sort of living creature. Like it's not a plant. This thing is alive. And it appears to have some sort of like at least I guess maybe not exactly intelligent reactions, but like it reacts to stimuli. Yeah. Like an animal would. Right. That's awful. <laughs> That's the worst thing. It's, I mean, except maybe the, the 10, oh fuck. What was it? 10 something tentacles. What was my, what was my vocal warm up? Oh, 10, 10 slime covered tentacles, 10 slime covered tentacles. Yes. Archipelago. Ar- uh, hey, nailed it. First try. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Portugal has any archipelagos? I'm certain they do. There were 10 slime-covered tentacles on the Portugal... Oh, shit. Portuguese. Archipelago- <laughs> Portuguese archipelago. 
Ten slime-covered tentacles on the Portuguese archipelago. Bro, that's a Bars. really good one. <laughs> nailed, nailed the tongue twister creation. Look at us go. Face your fears, son. <laughs> um, so that yeah, let's see. The the final write-up uh also said the only animals I can think of that could resemble this quote being are the col mm, colon terata. Col Colon, yeah, colon terata, maybe, which are cor coral animals and certain types of jellyfish. This is uh, Professor Santos, biologist. Look, we've been in um, long time agreement around this podcast that jellyfish are aliens. So I think I've advocated for octopi being aliens, but jellyfish mm. are pretty weird too. I don't think they're as smart as octopi, though. I don't think they are either, but they're equally fucking weird true but like octopi are straight up shapeshifters and they got brains in each of their legs and they can like pick locks and shit those guys are fucking out there awesome what a bunch of badasses anyway uh she's she then said um but i confess that my knowledge of biology is insufficient to classify this particular organism mm. um it was also analyzed by dr resende who's a professor emeritus of botanics and general director of the national Institute of botanics who said the sample you sent me is of an animal. And thus we consider it outside of our field of expertise, bro. That's such a fire quote to just be like, Hey, <laughs> um, I want shit to do with this. Okay. <laughs> we do botany. This is not a plant. Yeah. I, Please take it back. <laughs> I would like absolutely no part of this. Uh, I'm sorry. I cannot. Fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot return your sample as I immediately improvised a flamethrowing <laughs> device and burned my building down. <laughs> so there's really no conclusive end to this. And unfortunately, there was a fire at the University of Lisbon in 1978 in which these samples were destroyed slash lost. We don't have the original samples anymore to evaluate with uh, more modern means. Right. Um, so we're relying on reports from late 50s, early 60s, using science of the era, obviously. There were, um, there were however, a series of re- I don't know what you would call it. Re-examinations, I guess, of the evidence because um, they, well, they, I guess by they, I mean, uh, Professor Amaral, but also um, anyone who saw them, not anyone who saw them. They got photos, I guess is what I'm trying to say of these yes. things as well, like microscopic photos, which made it into newspapers uh, in Portugal and uh, I think in Spain and a couple other areas. I don't know that it made its way across the ocean, but um, there I didn't are find any English write-ups really. Yeah, but English language. But there are definitely like uh, there are definitely news clips uh, that you can see um, from Portuguese papers and uh, another in a book where you can see uh, like drawings i guess like um simulation drawings of what shit looked like but also microscopic photographs and what they did was um investigators in 2008 reached out to 
uh, Professor Azevedo, who was a cell biologist who had been one of the first scientists that they'd reached out to to look at the original pictures. He hadn't gotten a sample, but they sent him photos to be like, hey, uh, what do you what do you think of this? And um, he uh, was a professor emeritus at the University of Lisbon. And uh, he decided to look at them again in 2008, just the photos again, not any samples because Spencer mentioned uh, shit went down in the fire. But what he said was, from what I can tell from the photos I was sent and that I am now reexamining many decades later, this structure or microorganism, as some called it, is still unknown to contemporary science. It is made up of a body with 10 arms and its appearance vaguely resembles a starfish. The photos do not show any type of cellular organization. I was unable to identify a single structure akin to an earthly single cell organism. Almost 50 years later, I reread the reports, including my own report, and I restate what I wrote back then. This could have been an organism. However, the samples were not prepared correctly, which makes it impossible for me to make an educated guess. God damn! So... What I wonder what that means with the samples not being prepared correctly, like that they didn't. When was he looking at this? 2008 was when they reached out to him again to take a look. So. But he's looking just at photographs, right? Correct. Huh? They reached out to another. So Would that mean that like the initial analysis would have been incorrect too? then? If they're looking at incorrectly prepared samples, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I think that's what he's saying is like, I, I, it seems like, like generally speaking, he's saying is weird, but I can't really tell you how weird it is. Cause I didn't get like scientific evidence that meets my personal standard for like what shit yeah. should be. Because unfortunately, a bunch of non-biology folks were the people that collected this, this stuff shit. first, right? Yeah. So it's like he's—it's almost like it, to me the way I read it is he's going like, it's weird, but I don't know how weird it is. Like it might not be that weird, right. but I don't know how weird it is. There is also they reached out to another cellular biologist, um, uh, uh, professor Professor Carapico. Uh, who sure. said, this was another quote, uh, looking at the photos and knowing what we know about certain biological organisms, we cannot deny the similarities between this unknown structure and a young microscopic jellyfish. But, okay, but why would a bunch of young microscopic jellyfish be falling out of the sky? There's n there's zero good reasons for that. <laughs> zero. And Evora is not on the coast even, right? Um, I actually didn't look at a map of where, where it lands in Portugal. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like right Portugal now. is like a pretty small country and, uh, yeah, it, so everything I mean, it is, is not, I mean, on it's on the, the water. What's that? It is not on the coast. I mean, it's like an hour, it's 92 kilometers in from the coast. Yeah. Okay. So that's, it's a lot of football fields. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quick math, um, quick maths. How many football fields? Oh, couldn't even, couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't even begin. Well, I could begin, but it would, it would take way longer than is reasonable. So 
I mean, I, I would like an explanation for how what, what, shit, what millions, billions of microscopic jellyfish got uh, almost a hundred kilometers inland then. And well, and where, wh- and then the same thing, and then over a huge range too, because a a hundred kilometers right. northwest of there, right at the the air base, the same thing was happening, right. And also in a volume that is like unbelievable. I mean, if you're talking about like that's that's one of the reasons too why I was like, I don't, and I I alluded to this earlier, but like. The whole thing about like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's like traveling spider webs. And I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting concept. Except how many fucking spiders are we talking about here to be able to create so much webbing that it's literally mounding on rooftops like snow? And again, to your point, at a range. I mean, I think that I think that does happen with spiders sometimes, though. Not in Portugal, but I think that is technically a possibility. Uh, okay, so I've heard of this happening in, like, New Zealand. They've said it happens in, like, Australia. But, like, for sure not in Portugal, and for sure not since, which that's the other thing, too, is it's, like, it'd be one right. thing if Why it would was, it only happen once? Right. Ha- having it happen yeah. one time in one, like, you know... In, in one moment in one city would be like would be weird and again the like the the things that part of what makes this story so weird is is adding it all up you know like it's seeing the ufos which are like in their own right are pretty crazy and seen by multiple different people and then yeah. having the angel hair phenomena happen around you and then having the angel hair phenomena happen over a huge like range of space and then having the angel hair phenomena be examined to the degree that like you know you find fucking jellyfish aliens in it and it turns into a slimy well, goo that's like, the other thing if it is if it is spiders then that would have been apparent from examining it, right? You would have looked at it. You would have said, oh, shit, spiders. That's weird that there are spiders here this time of year, but those are clearly spiders. Yeah, right, right. That didn't happen. Right. Also, I just sent you a photo of yeah, flying no, spiders absolutely, in Australia. Absolutely not, dude. I mean, it looks, it's a picture of a farm of some kind and like, for i don't know hundreds of yards several football fields everything is covered in like it looks like snow basically is this real it's from national geographic fuck so i would assume so millions of spiders dropped from the sky blanketing the countryside with their webs i just got real shivers from looking at that that's (laughs) like that's like some fucking nightmare fodder bro they're called sheet web weavers or money spiders yeah money spiders money spiders is a better name for the list (laughs) gotta say (laughs) what about the money spiders yeah yeah the money yeah i don't i don't know i don't know how like yes that looks similar to what's being described but it should have been very obvious if that's what it was to 
the, the average person, much less a bunch of scientists. Like you would have put a, a little spider on a fucking slide and you wouldn't even had to look in a microscope. You would have just said, oh, hey, that's a spider. Oh, it's oh, this is filled with spiders. I bet this is spider web. Right. And that would be spiders the end are of fly, the conversation. Are falling from the sky. Right. And then, yeah, you add in the, the UFO stuff and the like unknown jellyfish like creature things. And I understand how people came to the conclusion that aliens fell out of the sky. Yeah, right. Right. You have I mean, they probably didn't, but something I don't know in what the did. sky something in the sky that's very wrong and strange and shouldn't be there. Followed <laughs> by this wrong. phenomenon. <laughs> you know, like Yeah. I don't know. What uh like okay, so if you write off like let's say I it's have not no idea what this is. No, I know, but if you write off spiders like, what are you actually left with, though? That's that's the thing that I'm like. Like, that's I, why this one is fun. Is like, I I have no idea. I like, maybe there's maybe maybe there are other scientific possibilities or like atmospheric conditions that would somehow create this. Or yeah. I, but I certainly don't know what they are. Well, and the interesting thing about this too is like the phenomena is not isolated either. Like, this isn't the only time this has ever happened. No. There was well, an, with the like the filaments falling, there are lots of examples of that. But there was one in there was one that happened in 1954 where two guys were standing on the balcony of a hotel in St. Mark Square in Venice and saw two shining spindles fly across the sky and it left a trail of angel hair, the same concept. So much so that they were able to like go out to the square and pick some up off the ground. Gross. Maybe it's like UFO ectoplasm. It's well, like the, it's the leftover shit from moving between dimensions. There are literally people who like in the UFO community, uh, one, one, uh, one theory is that it quote is, or it is quote, ionized air sleeting off an electromagnetic field that surrounds a ufo why would there be living things in it no idea maybe it's like a fuel like maybe you need the little fucking super strong guys to like be a part of the fuel push <laughs> they just push the ufos across the galaxy well, no, it's like they're they're like uh like their bodies give off a lot of energy so it's like you know oh they're I was envisioning like a lot of tiny hamster wheels. I love that. But no, I'm thinking more like those guys go <laughs> in the tank kind of thing. Unfortunately. Right. Right. Or that, like the, that Fox show we were talking about a couple of weeks ago where all the little people were pulling the airplane. Oh, right, 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 right. But just like fucking space, uh, fucking bugs. space bugs, jellyfish, space, Space jellyfish from heaven. Angel hair pasta from heaven. <laughs> heaven is an olive garden, y'all. That's what I've been trying to say this whole time is heaven is an olive garden. Angel hair pasta falling from the sky. I I well, think I, I think one thing I want to say just to kind of wrap things that I find very fascinating about this whole concept is like is this is one of the reasons I know we'll never run out of shit to talk about on this show because I feel like we keep finding shit like this and I'm like, wait, word? There's a story about this 
very specific, very strange thing. I've never heard about it before. And, and, and there are like 10 other examples that we could find right. within a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah. And also one of the things, again, that I find really fascinating is like this, this made papers, you know, like this landed in papers in Portugal and Spain. Like it, it was not like a, I feel like sometimes we talk about, again, it's the blogspot shit because the blogspot shit is fun, but this is one to me that's like significantly more legitimized by the amount of people who saw it, people who could talk about it. There are like in the documentary, I isn't one of the guys who actually like held it in the documentary. I'm pretty sure he is because he was like one of the uh, pilots who was on the airfield Honestly, that day. I didn't make it very far into that documentary. He's like, <laughs> I'm, like, pretty, I'm going to comprehend almost yeah. none of this. I'll stick to the reading. Yeah, that's fair. He's a pretty old guy, but I mean, he could have been, he could have been what, 18, 19 at the time if he was joining the military. So that would have been 60. I mean, so, you know, 80, probably not as a, as a captain leading training missions, but. No, but I'm yeah. saying one of the one of the other pilots that was there that day, oh, maybe oh, not necessarily sure, sure. the same captain. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, like I, it's it it made it pretty far, you know. Like this story made it pretty mm. far, and and well, a it's lot one of, where we actually have like trained scientists looking at right phenomena for right. once too. Totally, totally, and go and 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 most of them again, like yes, the samples you know are are not perfect, but most of not all of them going. I don't have a good answer for you, you know? Right. I also, no, no one does. Right. <laughs> right. I, I, and I think that's what makes these phenomena so interesting to me is like when multiple people have seen it, there isn't an agreed upon solution for it. There's multiple instances that happened in multiple different places. And also I think one of the things that's interesting about things that happened in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s too is it's happening in a time period where I feel like it's a lot less likely for these stories to have been inspired by other stories because shit just like didn't travel as far, you know, like, yeah, it it's, you know, I, I feel like you can write off a lot of stuff contemporarily with copycat shit and be like, oh, well, somebody saw it and wanted to have their own version of this story. Well, and you can't, you can't fake parts of this one either. Right. You can't fake or shit it'd be falling very, from the sky. It'd be very difficult to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or right. the like you know, some of the, the photos of the, the microscopic photos and stuff. Right. Right. All right, dude. Once again, we've solved absolutely nothing and had a great time doing it. Yeah, dude. I like it. I think, I don't know. I like the idea of this being like some fucking alien fuel or like some alien. It's, (laughs) you know what it is, bro. You know what it is. You know how every once in a while there's that story where like, an airplane like a airline gets in trouble because they like they dumped their they dumped their toilet in the wrong spot Mm. that's what that's what it is man this they're just aliens alien jetliners going from place to place and they just they're hitting the they're hitting the mega flush button at the wrong time and they're like oh shit all the poop webs and pee webs just went all (laughs) over that town we better get the fuck out of here they're gonna they're gonna know it's us Solid, solid take. We, now we've solved it. Now we've solved it. All right, friends. Thanks for hanging out with us for an hour. Uh, we'll be back with more weird shit and next week. Yeah, thank you, guys. If you want to leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614, the email is hi at Uh We know uh, we do owe y'all the next live show uh, for getting us over the 500 reviews, Mark. We will for sure do that soon. We just, uh, you know, shit's been a little wild for a couple weeks. So 
we'll we'll get around to that soon. And uh, one more time, thanks to John Cohorst at johncohorst.com. Check his stuff out. He's got fucking spacemen and fucking sasquatches and shit and uh, <laughs> all over his website. It's real dope. So thanks, John. And uh, yeah, check his stuff out too. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>